0: Good morning City Post. Can you hear me all right? <laughs> Guys, my name is Frank Trimble and uh, this is my wife Kristen and my daughters Ava and Olivia right over here and we live in Denver, Colorado and we were at Greenhouse as well that you heard about um, and we came down primarily for that and then when the opportunity came up to come back to City Post, I was thrilled A little bit of context with that is I've known Ricky for 13 years, which is pretty hard to imagine, 13 years, and one of the ways that I prayed as I was getting ready for this message, as I was getting ready for this trip, uh, asking the Lord what what we should talk about today, Uh, one of the things that came to mind was God continues to use Ricky and his family and the leadership of City Post Church um, to see new life breathed into the church with new believers. I mean, the Holy Spirit's doing it. But God continues to send young believers here, to send young leaders here, and to mobilize people to go out. And, so, and that's, that's a big praise, by the way. Many, many churches that would love for any life to be in their church, even the sound of kids or people being saved or people being discipled and leaders being raised up and sent out to other churches in the mission field. And I can tell you, even when we just first walk into this building, like any time we've ever walked into City Post, God is clearly moving here. And I know you know that you're here every week, but from an outsider coming in, God is clearly moving here. I would be remiss if I didn't mention this, that my family is so thankful for you guys. Right over here on the wall is our picture, and you guys pray for us and partner with the ministry that we're called to in Denver, Colorado. When I found out that you guys had done that and orchestrated that to where people are praying for us, all the, it changed my day, <laughs> I can tell you that. As you guys know, ministry can be very discouraging, and you don't know what the next day holds, and When I got that simple picture from Ricky just telling me, hey, we've been more intentional about our prayer for our missionaries that we're supporting, and you're on that list. And he sent me a picture of that. God is good, and you're a part of our team as you launch us into Denver to minister to families. We're going to be in Acts chapter 20 today. And as I said, as I was thinking through, okay, what are we going to talk about? One of my favorite stories in the book of Acts came up. And when I was first kind of exposed to this concept, I was introduced to a group of pastors out of a seminary in California that whenever it came time to launch a new pastor, they would have this process of ordination. So it's like pastors laying hands on a young pastor saying, we affirm that you're called to ministry and we affirm that you're safe to send you out to a church. We we're with you. We support you. Stamp of approval. But one of the processes for this group of pastors in California was, before we're going to launch a pastor, we're going to ask him a ton of questions. Now, I went through an ordination process, but it was almost kind of a formality. They asked me questions, and I was very nervous and scared about it, but nothing like what I heard in California. These pastors in California would get together, and they would ask questions like, what does every book of the Bible primarily talk about? So, put the guy on the spot. So, 66 books in the Bible tell us the main theme or the thrust of every one of the 66 books of the Bible. And questions like that. Now, the guys knew that it was coming, they knew it was coming. But I mean, most ordination meetings like that don't happen like that. It's it's more of a formality. They do ask some questions, they lay hands and they pray for them. But man, they said, All right, Genesis, what's it about? What's like the primary verse in there? Tell us about it. All right, let's move to Exodus. I mean, and they went through the whole thing. And now, For some people, that might seem like, well, that's a little much, right? But their purpose in that is not to just give them a test. Their purpose in that is to equip them correctly and to show that they have been equipped correctly so that they can properly shepherd other people. And not to just send them out because, hey, we love you. You're great. I'm going to send you out. No, they want to know that the pastors that they're raising up, training, and ordaining really know the word, and they're ready and equipped and trained to feed other people so we're going to look at this really cool story in Acts chapter 20, where Paul chooses a boat that won't take him to Ephesus, but will go right by Ephesus, which is a city where he planted a church. The book of Ephesians in the Bible is, is a letter written to the church in Ephesus that Paul founded, that Paul planted. And he doesn't go straight to Ephesus, but he goes to a town called Miletus, and calls on the elders of Ephesus to come meet him there. And we're going to see why here in a second. So this is in Acts chapter 20, and we're going to start in verse 17. Start in verse 17. Now, from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them. So I just want you to hear this real quick. What's happening is he doesn't go straight to Ephesus, and I think it's because he knows he'll spend too much time there, and Paul really wants to go to Jerusalem. He really wants to get to Jerusalem. And you know how it is when you're around people that you love, like Ricky, you know, like for me, and Rachel and their family, like, I wish I could just stay here for like three days, and we're going to have to bust it to get to East Texas today. But, I mean, we wanted to sit and talk and have a wonderful time and praise God for that, but Paul is like on a mission. I got to get to Jerusalem. So he kind of wisely, kind of shrewdly says, I'm going to call and they can come meet me here, right? They wrote him a letter. So he's launched the church in Ephesus, He has trained and discipled uh, pastors to take his place, and he goes on his ministry. And he calls those guys and says, come out. I want to talk to you. So they meet him in Miletus, and here's what he says. To these pastors, you yourselves know how I have lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of the repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you're the type of person that writes in your Bible or takes note, mine looks like a kid got a hold of this and just started scribbling in there. It helps me focus. But underline all of what we read that he did. Paul's not bragging here, he's telling a testimony. He's saying, you watched me do this, how I lived, how he served, right? His humility, his tears. This isn't the first time we'll see tears in this passage. Like what Paul is saying is you saw my care for you. I love you. The trials that happened to me, the plots that released those trials to come at me, how I did not shriek from declaring to you. So he's bold anything that was profitable, and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks the repentance towards God and faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. This guy was busy, very busy, but he wasn't just busy preaching sermons. This guy was giving his life for the gospel of Jesus Christ. All day long yesterday at Greenhouse, we rehearsed the gospel that Jesus came To the earth over 2,000 years ago, actually came that he lived a sinless life that we could never have lived, that he died, physically died on the cross in the place that we should have died, that he rose again, and number five, that he's coming again. So, Paul is giving his life to get that message to the people, even though trials come, even though tears come, even though. All sorts of pain comes along his way. He doesn't just do it in the synagogue as he's preaching or to the Jews in the public square. He goes from house to house discipling people. I know that's happening in City Post Church. Testifying both to Jews and to Greeks their repentance toward God and our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you picture this moment where Paul is talking to pastors? Do you think they're thinking about their own life and their own pastoring? And now, this is verse 22, And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. What a wonderful invitation that is. Right? <laughs> When Kristen and I felt like God was calling us to Denver, we were really scared. We didn't know anybody in Denver, nobody, and all that stuff. But we at least knew that we weren't going to be thrown in jail. You know what I mean? Like, nobody's coming after us. You know what I mean? It's actually a pretty nice place. You know, like, it's a very lost place, but nobody's coming after Nobody's plotting against us. Nobody's... And he says, through the conviction and the pressure of the Holy Spirit himself, in ways that we're not sure exactly what that message entailed, but all he knows is that persecution's coming, and he can't wait to get there, <laughs> right? That's the, that's the heart of a changed person. That's the heart of a changed person from death to life, right? From being lost and dead in your sins to being made alive. That's what would cause somebody to go, i got to get to Jerusalem even though I know it's going to end badly for me physically, verse 24, but I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. I want to ask you guys something. Doesn't it get you so excited when you see young people or any new believer following the Lord? What does that do for you if you've been saved for a long time? You see somebody that's just recently been changed, or they've just recently been discipled, or they're just young in general. <laughs> Yesterday I was around interns, and the last couple of days I was around interns at Super Summer, and seeing them worship cultivated a passion in me. It reminded me of my first love, first love of Jesus. And being in that mindset as a young person that, I don't care what comes, I'm going to follow Jesus. Paul is modeling this for these elders and saying, "Come, what may?" Come what may, I just need to finish the course that Jesus has laid out for me. I gotta do it. I have got to share the gospel because what did he say there in verse 24? My life doesn't account for anything. My flesh, life or death, doesn't account for anything. What does matter? To get the gospel of Jesus Christ out and in his mind to get to Jerusalem, to continue that mission. Let's keep going. And now behold... I know that none of you among whom I have gone out proclaiming, uh, proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Let's stop there for a moment. The first main point for the day today it's a church like City Post Church, young believers, new leaders, people that are looking to grow in their faith, We must have a steady diet of the word of God in our lives. Why do I say that? Paul just gave his testimony, and he's saying, look back at what you've observed in my life. Look at how I shepherded you. He's not saying that to say, look how awesome I am. Far from it. He's saying, I'm wanting you to model this, right? It reminds me of 1 Corinthians 11.1, where he actually tells the church in Corinth, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. He's following Christ so closely that he, not confidence in himself, confidence in the Lord saying, I want you to follow me as I follow Christ. He's basically laid out. He's saying basically all of what I've done to this point, though imperfectly, has been laying down my life and following Christ at all costs. That's what I've been doing. And then he says these sad words. He says, listen, we're probably not ever going to see each other again. But my hands are clean of your blood. Why? Why would I say the first point is we must have a steady diet of the word of God in our lives, in our church, and praise God that the leadership of City Post Church commits to just preaching the Bible. We must have it. He says his hands are clean of their blood. This is like a reflection on a book called Ezekiel in the Old Testament. In Ezekiel 18, specifically in verse 13, Ezekiel describes this picture of the watchman on the wall and the watchman is standing there like if an enemy army is coming up and the watchman's on the wall, he is supposed to warn the city that the enemies are on their way. If he warns the city that the enemies are on their way, his hands are clean of their blood. Why? Because he's done what he's supposed to do. right? But if the oncoming army is coming and the watchman on the wall says nothing, then their blood is on his hands. This is how serious the pastoral call is that we must preach the whole counsel of God to the people under our care. And these people, you guys, under the care of Ricky and the leadership here of the church, must not just hope that it all happens here, but must have a steady diet of God's word at home. Not just a part of it, but that you could, by the grace of God and under his mercy, have a firm grip on at least what this says and what it matters to your life. Paul, without a doubt, talked about the gospel in this whole council of God. Paul, without a doubt, would have discipled them in the Old Testament. He would have discipled them in his own own ministry in the Word. He felt free to leave them, knowing that he would never see them again because he had preached to them the whole council of God. He had fulfilled his calling to the church at Ephesus, and he is passing the torch. He's looking back. He's saying, this is what happened. I'm going to leave you. It's tough. You've seen how to do it, and I've discipled you up. Now go. Let's keep reading. Verse 28. So we've been looking at what's happened. Now let's look at what's going to happen. Pay careful attention to yourselves, pastors, and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Do you feel that gravity? I know Ricky does. I know the leaders of this church does. What do I mean? Pay careful attention to yourselves, pastors, and to the flock which God himself has put in your care. Not just that he's put in your care, but that he bought with his own blood, Jesus' own blood. Guys, the fact that you're in City Post, and if you're listening online, you're a part of City Post Church as well, you're not here by accident. It's not random that you're here. None of you, none of the kids that are in this this room here, none of the kids that are in the room right now, none of us, even my family today, none of us are here by accident. We can take great comfort in the fact that God himself has brought you here for a reason. And that reason, if you don't know the Lord, is to believe in the true Jesus Christ to see your life changed by him, and then to be grown up in him, and then in many different ways to be sent out. Many different ways. Some right here being launched week in and week out from City Post Church. Some to the ends of the earth. Some to plant churches. And the list goes on and on and on. But for the time being, God has you at City Post Church. God himself, the one that bought you with his blood, said go to City Post Church for this time and for this season. That's big. And I know this church takes it seriously. Verse 29, I know that after my departure, this is crazy, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among you, from your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. Here's the picture Paul's painting to these pastors of Ephesus as he's passing the torch. He's saying, wolves are going to come into the sheep. Wolves are going to come into the flock. They're going to say twisted things. They're going to deceive the flock. Friends, I know it's not news to you, but the Bible and the truth of God's word and real belief about the one true God is being mocked all over the planet, but especially in America. You know, I grew up in Texas, and I miss the people of Texas so much and I miss the food I miss the food I used to say that I used to say that Texas doesn 't have mountains, but we have food, and we do, and we do there's i mean some of it just brings me to tears right it's just I miss the food man i re- I really do but But here's the deal, is in Denver where where I live and in Colorado where I live, it's it's not a post-Christian society, but it might as well be. What do I mean? The majority of the churches that you pass by on the street, I want to tell you, do not believe in the whole counsel of God. They do not. It is a largely lost place. Boulder, Colorado, which isn't far from where we live, is statistically one of, if not the most unreligious cities in the whole country. It's about 40 minutes from us. The place is lost, but it's not the same as like when you go to India or when you go to Africa or some of these countries where they're at least open to hearing you and they've never heard the gospel. Many of them have heard the gospel many, many times, and they're cold to it. Why? Because a long time ago, in many cases, wolves came in, and they hate the sheep, and they think that they're smart, and they're winsome, They're convincing, and they come in, and guys, I I don't want to be dramatic with this, overly dramatic, but they say the same thing that the devil said in Genesis chapter 3, and here's the question. Did God really say? That's the question. Did God really say this? That's the question, and I promise you, like a very, very, very sad piece of clockwork, the church will slowly slip into falsehood and pain, and delusion that isn't noticeable by everybody. In fact, charity is still happening in the church. Teaching is still happening in the church. Philanthropy is still happening in the church. We're doing a lot of good, but they're doing it in the name of a Jesus that's not talked about in this word. Why do I say that? I say that because any church... Any church, according to God's word, has the risk of that happening. Any church. That's why Ricky and the leadership of the church are committed to be trained up themselves and to stay in the word themselves and to tell you the truth. To tell you the truth. Why? Because you've been bought with a price. You are God's children. Paul in the book of Ephesians calls you his bride the bride of Christ. You're the family of God. He cares for you and calls under shepherds like Ricky and the leadership here and the leaders that will come later to care for you, to shepherd you, to welcome you into the fold, and even when you're wrong, to lovingly lead you back to the truth. Paul is looking at these Ephesian elders and says, please do this. Please do it. You watched me do it with tears. I'm telling you, Please do it. He said, for three years, I gave it my all. Now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands, he's talking about his hands, ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak, and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Covered in the grace of God, friends, covered in the grace of God, Paul says, this is what has happened. This is what I'm calling you to do. I did not beg you for anything. I didn't use you for anything. I worked for myself. I, I did these things so that everyone would see this example. I have shown you that by working hard, we must help the weak. And remember those, remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's like a pastoral training class with people that he loves, where he is passing the torch in a way that I can't even imagine, where he knows, especially during this time period, he will never see these people again, probably. He's older He doesn't know what will happen in Jerusalem, but he knows it's going to be rough. He thinks he's going to Jerusalem. I mean, all he knows really is that persecution's coming, but that the Holy Spirit's with him and that his hands are clean from Ephesus. So take the torch and go. Keep reaching people. Follow my example. Follow me as I follow Christ. I got to go. But I want you to see this next scene. Verse 36. And when he had said these things he knelt down and he prayed with all of them. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because the word he had spoken that they would not see his face again and they accompanied him back to his ship. The reason I think this is so fascinating is because you might hear what Paul says in this passage and go, man, hold on, like, Calm down, you know, like you're saying a bunch of big stuff. You're putting a lot of pressure on us, right? Like, can you put yourself in the Ephesian elder's shoes? I mean, it's like a lot to ask. And it's like, well, we're not you, Paul. We're not the apostle that was blinded by God and saved on the road to Damascus. Like, we're trying, but we're not. No, no, no. He loved them, and they loved him. How do we know that from what we just saw? He knelt down, and he prayed with them, and there was just weeping. Guys, the family of God is different. The family of God, of course, is unique. I love my family with all of my heart. I love them. And God's given a specific call to me to pastor them in the home. It's a whole big conversation. I love them. I praise God for them. But I'm also a part of your family. And the City Post membership, the City Post Church itself, is a local expression of this global and eternal family. You are a family. And if you're just trying out the church, you're just thinking about it, you're watching it or listening to it online, you're thinking, I think I'm looking for a church, but I don't know what to do. I would say consider joining a family. First, by faith in Christ, that he really did come, that he really did live a perfect life, that he really did die in our place because our sin separated us from God and destined us for destruction and hell died in our place, and then rose again, really, in history, rose again, raised to new life and is alive and active and coming again. So join the family. But then join the family as well to be loved, to be cared for. Almost knocked something down there. To be loved, to be cared for, and here's another word, to be known. To be known, which, frankly, is one of the scariest things I can ask you to do to be known fully, to let City Post know your past, and to let City Post be with you as you walk into your future. The fruit of loving shepherding is what we see in verse 36 through 38, relationships, love. How many times do we see tears in this passage? I wanted to give you this passage today and bring it to you to tell you that this is what I pray for City Post Church. This is what I pray for City Post Church, that the leadership here and the people that sit in the seats would have a steady diet of God's word and that the growth and the service and the fellowship that you experience here wouldn't just like be a fun time, but that it would lead to something, that if God does call you somewhere else to minister or to worship, it's going to be tough. Why? Because you love these people. You've gotten to know them in such a way that leaving them sounds impossible. And for these people, tears coming down their face because they thought, I'm never going to see Paul again, of course, until heaven. I want to paint for you a similar picture. The ministry that we work with is family time training, and we, we really believe, like many, many authors all over the course of church history, that fathers are called to be kind of like many shepherds of their homes and their homes are kind of like a mini church it's not a church but it's kind of like a church Martin Luther said that John Calvin said that John Chrysostom said that in the in the first few centuries of the church that it's not a church but it's like a church the husband is not actually a pastor of this home church it's like a pastor of a church and I want to I get this picture in your mind. I want to ask you this picture based on what we read in Acts chapter 20 and what we're about to read in Psalm 127. What kind of people do we want our kids and for us to be before we're launched out, wherever that's going to be? So I want you to I wanna ask that again. With your kids that are in here playing, and praise God for the kids of City Post Church, what do we want them to know? What do we want them to experience What service do we want to involve them in? What do we want to show them before they graduate high school and are launched into the ministry God calls them to? In the same way that we're asking ourselves that question, and this leadership is always asking the question, what do they need to know? What do they need to experience? How do we need to disciple them before they are launched? I want to paint a picture for you. This is in Psalm 127. It's a short little passage. You've heard the phrase that children are a gift from God. That comes from this passage. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He will not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. I want to paint you two pictures. The first picture was in Ephesus, or in Miletus, with the elders of Ephesus. They're kneeling down, probably arms wrapped around one another, weeping. It's an obvious picture of support of Paul, of love of Paul, of thankfulness to Paul. They are one unit, this group of people gathered together with the same purpose. Now, I imagine that that could be also in your family. Here's what I mean. When you get to the end of this, we learn that anything that we're doing, if we're doing it in our own strength, if we're not allowing the Lord to build the house, it's been done in vain. It's useless. And yet... God provides children. He provides a gift from the Lord in children, a fruit of the womb, a reward, and he describes them as arrows to be launched, right? Arrows in the, in the quiver to be pulled out and to launch. So kids aren't just like in and of themselves, the end in mind. They have a purpose that God has given them. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the city gate. So we have the picture here of the Ephesian elders, and the picture here is parents at the city gates. But here's what the author is indicating here. At the city gates in the town, of any town during this time period when this was written, it was like the place where any legal thing happened or any, anything of importance happened in the city. It's at the city gates. It's where the people got things done, right? It's the center of importance in the town. It's not just a gate. And this picture is of a parent or a group of parents with their kids behind them in support of them because they've been discipled, because they've taken advantage of the gift God has given them and used that stewardship well. Can you picture that with me? First picture is this, Paul kneeling, praying with his brothers and sisters in the family of God and launching them to Ephesus as they launch him to Jerusalem. One unit, love, tears, pain, excitement, but they're one you come over here to a family. Parenting is very difficult and very confusing, and nobody's, I mean, there's tons of books out there, but but let's be honest, right, there's no, it's, you uh, are figuring it out. Grandparenting, I've heard, is the same, I mean, it's, but I've heard it's better, Be a grandparent, any grandparents in here, I don't know, because you can send them home. Listen, it's its very confusing, very difficult, so many, that so much of the time, I don't know what I'm doing, and we're just trying, and trusting the Lord, and But when you think about this, because of God's grace and his mercy alone, the gospel of Jesus Christ infusing your home, not because of your talent or your ability or how smart you are or seminary or something like that. No, it's just trusting the Lord and being willing to be intentional. Imagine if he allowed it to happen where when your kids are grown, they're standing behind you in faith, serving alongside you. And the the picture is also speaking the same thing that you're speaking. I've gotten to see that in the Cotto family for 13 years. And it pumps me up. I've also seen in my own family and in families that I know where that's not the case. It's not because somebody failed. But here's what we get to try. Here's what we get to do. Here's what City Post gets to do. Whatever people comes into our church, we're going to tell them the gospel very clearly. We're going to disciple them. We're going to love them. We're going to have fun with them. We're going to make them feel welcome, and we're going to tell them the truth. We don't know what they'll do. Are you with me? We don't know what they'll do. But with tears, we're praying for them. With tears, you're praying for one another. With tears, you're helping one another. You're shepherding alongside the pastors here. You're helping each other to be shepherded. You're encouraging people to dive in and to grow more. You don't know what they'll do. You don't know. One of the most painful things that can happen to a youth pastor or a pastor is that moment when somebody you've poured years and years and years of your life into, quote unquote, walks away from the faith. That's. I know that that. <laughs> I've heard stories, right, and I've experienced it myself. Some of the most painful tears I've cried were when a youth that was in my youth group just walked away. Why, God? What's going on? We don't know what they'll do. That's between them and the Lord. But what did we do? Our hands have been wiped clean because we loved them. We gave them the truth as best we knew how. We're going to fail all the time. We're going to fail, but we gave them the truth as best we knew how. Come over here to this picture. Do you see the similarity with family? Family is tough. Family is complicated. It's filled with potholes, it's filled with danger. I mean, like one person said, you're always about an inch away when you're talking about family. You're always about an inch away from real serious trauma. Right? It's like, we're gonna talk about family now? But just like what we said there, God's given you these gift of children to be used in his kingdom. There's a purpose for their life. And God has called you in passages like Deuteronomy 6 and Psalm 78 and Ephesians 5 and 6 to disciple them in your houses. You're gonna love them. You're gonna love them with tears. You're going to pursue them. You're gonna fail all the time, like we do. You're gonna be intentional, though, sometimes. You're gonna tell them your testimony. You're going to take them on mission with you. You're, they're going to serve alongside you. You're going to have fun together. You're going to know them. You're going to create a warm environment in your house to the best of your ability. You're going to introduce them to more people in the church so that they can further be discipled by the family of God. But you don't know what they're going to do. Don't you kind of wish that you could? Not, not that you could know. I don't want to know. But that you could, like, force them to do it. You know what I mean? Like, just believe. You know what I mean? No. God is sovereign. He's in control. And our relationship to him is not based on what our kids do. Our relationship to him is not based on what City Post members do. We obey because of a love for him first. If we put the church first, we've missed it. We can create an idol out of City Post Church. If I put my kids first before the Lord Jesus, I have created an idol out of them, and they don't deserve that weight. They never asked for that weight. They don't, they're not good gods. Why am I bringing this to you today? I'm bringing this to you primarily today because God is moving here. It's obvious to those that are watching from the outside, and I know it's obvious to you. Not only is God moving here, but God's going to call you to something very specific, and it'll start here. Are you, willing, are you willing to be led in whatever that is? Are you willing to be led in whatever that is in the church, in the community, but also in your home? It's scary. Both options are scary. And yet, imagine what God could do. Imagine what God could do. Imagine the future of this church. Imagine the future of your family tree. That in a spiritual sense, your family tree could change today. Not because of your power or your intellect or your training, but because of the goodness of God that you simply received by his grace through the gospel of Jesus and are willing to say, now use me, Lord. Use me. I'm, I'm ready. I don't know what to do, but use me. You come up to Ricky later and you say, I feel like I need to be discipled, but I don't know where to start. You come up to Ricky later today, one of the leaders of the church, and say, I feel like I'm supposed to tell my kids something or my grandkids something about Jesus. Don't have a clue where to start. What do I do? That might be the first and maybe only step that you take today. I want you to close your eyes with me. The band can go ahead and come up if there's room, if I'm not in your way. I want you to just take a second and just ask God, Hey God, I'm not going to Jerusalem. I am not I'm not a pastor. I'm not any of that. Well, what are you calling me to do? What are you calling me to do? Just ask him. And you just you're just throwing that up to him. What 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 do you call me to do? Would you help me understand that over time? Would you give me clarity? How, how am I supposed to serve at City Post? How am I supposed to serve in Fort Worth? How am I supposed to, to ask him that? Now I want you to pray for your family in the same way. God, what next step do you have for my family? What are we supposed to do? just like I said earlier, if you've not yet joined the family of God, scripture is very clear that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. You'll be changed. You'll be sealed with the Holy Spirit. Do you believe that Jesus came, lived a perfect life, died in your place and is still living today? Do you believe that? And are you willing to give him control of your life, come what may, like Paul? If you've not done that, please do it today. Father, we give you City Post Church once again. We thank you for it. Got it. I pray that you would protect this church from wolves. Father, that you would empower through your Holy Spirit, the leadership of this church. Lord, that they would be able to see those things, but God, that they would just continue doing what they're doing by preaching your truth, by preaching the word for shepherding these people. And I pray that you would use this church in a powerful way, that you would continue to use this church in a powerful way. God, I pray for the families, including my own. Lord, that you would save our kids, that they would come to know you and love you more than we ever have, that we could learn from them. Father, I pray that you would return us to that love, that passion, that willingness to not just be pressured down by the weight of the world or the cares of this world, but just be willing to open up our hands and say, God, lead me. What do you want me to do? God, we're so thankful for your patience and your grace with us. As we worship, Lord, God, I pray that these people would be free to worship in truth, with passion, knowing that you love them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.